You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Welcome to Wise Guys, These Guys Know Sports. Here live on the Worldwide Sports Network on this beautiful Tuesday, December the 20th. Another day on the Wise Guys Sports Show with your boy Trey Larkins. Everybody go and follow Wise Guys on Twitter at WiseGuys underscore H. Also on Facebook, Wise Guys. And be sure to follow Wise Guys on Instagram at These Guys Know Sports. If you're wondering why I started off the show tonight, with the NFL on CBS theme song, it's because it was a great, great week 15 in the NFL, ladies and gentlemen. It was some crazy football that took place in NFL week 15. NFL week 15 is going to be a week to remember. Seriously, from the Vikings overcoming a 33-point halftime deficit to Jacoby Myers' blunder at the end of the Patriots-Raiders football game in Vegas. It was a crazy NFL Week 15, to say the least. Seriously. So that's why I had to start off the show tonight with the NFL on CBS theme music. We got an action jam-packed show tonight. We got Packers writer Paul Brindell. He's going to call into the show and talk some Packers football with me here in a bit. So definitely excited about that. Also, I'm going to recap the Bengals' 34-23 to win over the Buccaneers. The Bengals won their sixth straight game. They are now 10-4 and on the season with the Ravens' loss to the Browns Saturday in Cleveland. Bengals are now in first place in the AFC North. So definitely Definitely an exciting time for Bengal fans. Also later on in the show, I'm going to discuss the Colts collapse in Minnesota, something I've never seen before. I've never seen what took place in in Minnesota Saturday afternoon. I'm going to talk about that here in a bit. But we begin the show with Monday Night Football. We have the Green Bay Packers and the L.A. Rams. The Packers kept their playoff hopes alive with a 24-12 win over the L.A. Rams. They improved the 6-8. They are currently ninth in the NFC playoff standings for the Rams. Baker Mayfield, he went, 20, or he went 12 of 21 
He threw for 111 passing yards, one touchdown, one interception. For the Packers, Aaron Rodgers went 22 of 30. He threw for 229 passing yards, one touchdown, one interception. Aaron Jones had 17 carries for 90 rushing yards. Aaron Rodgers won his ninth straight Monday night football start. And the Packers are now 8-1 in their last nine games versus the Rams. That includes the playoffs. And with the Packers' win over the Rams, the Packers increased their playoff chances to only 12%. That's according to ESPN's analytics. So I watched this game start to finish, obviously, last night. And as a Packers fan, I had mixed emotions after the win last night against the Rams. In a positive way, I was happy about the Packers beating the Rams because now that the Packers are now 6-8, and eight, if they win out, they have a chance at making the playoffs. The Packers have, I believe, like over a 70% chance at making the playoffs if they win out. They have the Dolphins on Christmas, and then they are home against the Vikings, home against the Lions to finish the season. We'll see if they can pull it off, but they need some other things to go their way. I'll get into that here in a bit. But when it, from a football perspective, I like the way the Packers are playing right now. Yesterday was the first game where we got a chance to see the two young rookie receivers in Christian Watson and Romeo Dobbs. I thought that they helped the offense significantly yesterday. And, you know, for the game, Romeo Dobbs, he had five receptions, 55 receiving yards. Christian Watson had four receptions, 46 receiving yards. I was excited about seeing Dobbs and Watson on the field together in this Packers offense under Matt LaFleur, given the fact that the Packers have a great running game with Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon. And I thought that Aaron Rodgers did a pretty good job distributing the football between Dobbs, between Watson, and he got them involved in the offense. And I thought Christian Watson, his ability to use his speed, I thought that is what helped this Packers offense move the football. In this game, the Packers had 345 total yards of offense, 207 passing yards, 138 rushing yards. So they had a balanced attack. That was something that I really, really liked as a Packers fan watching this game last night against the Rams. Now, again, Aaron Donald didn't play in this game, and Cooper Cup did not play offensively for the Rams in this football game. So I want to be very, very clear about how I feel about the Packers win over the Rams last night. I've seen over the last few weeks the Packers offense play better. They've played better, and they are flowing at a better level now compared to what they did at the beginning of the season. I believe the December Packers are better than the September Packers because the September Packers were terrible. They were pathetic, losing games to the Giants, the Commanders, to the Jets at home at Lambeau. I mean, it was a pathetic Packers offense in the beginning stages of the season. Seriously. They barely beat the Patriots in week four. So 
I, I, I like what I've been seeing from this Packers offense over the last few weeks. Now, their opponents were the Rams and the Bears. They put up 28 against the Bears two weeks ago at Soldier Field, and they put up 24 last night against the Aaron Donald-less football team in the L.A. Rams. Aaron Donald wasn't out there. Now, we know Aaron Donald is arguably the best defensive player in the NFL. So had the Packers been able to rush for 138 yards against Aaron Donald, I would be more impressed with their performance last night. But no Aaron Donald, I can only give the Packers so much credit. I think the Packers took care of business, and they did what they were supposed to do. And they beat bad football teams in the Bears and in the Rams. And now at 6-8, and eight, the Packers, if they went out and get some help, they have an opportunity, an opportunity to make the playoffs. And honestly, the way that the season has went this year, that's the best you can ask for as a Packers fan. It's the best you can ask for as a Packers fan. The Packers still be in the playoff mix in the last three games of the season. But I like the balanced attack, 138 rushing yards between Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon, 207 passing yards. I like the balanced attack by the Packers offense. Went four of nine on third down, 27 first downs for the night. They dominated time of possession, 37 to 22 in this game. So I liked some things that I saw from the Packers offense, but it was against a Rams football team that has essentially thrown in the towel. Rams are pretty much throwing in the towel on the season. Last night, they were officially eliminated from playoff contention. So I want to see what the Packers are made of. I'm going to get to their playoff scenario here in a bit. But I, 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 again, like when it comes to my expectations for them the rest of the season, I have to see what they can do in a more meaningful game against a playoff contender in the Miami Dolphins. Now, when it comes to the Rams, the Rams have thrown in the towel on the season. Baker Mayfield, he wasn't very good last night in this game. He did throw an interception, 111 passing yards, 12 of 21 passing. I wasn't really impressed with Baker Mayfield, but we see why Baker Mayfield has been on three different teams this year. I mean, the man started off the season and basically has been from team to team. Started off the season with the Browns, then went to the Panthers, now with the Rams. I mean, it's been, it's been a rough stretch for Baker Mayfield. It's been a rough stretch for him. But in this game, he wasn't very impressive. He really, he really wasn't very impressive at all. But Rams, they were officially eliminated from playoff contention last night. And for the Packers to make the playoffs, they need to win out. They got an away game on Christmas against the Dolphins. Sunday in Miami, and then they are home against the Vikings, home against the Lions. They got it one out. And then they need some help. They need the Commanders to lose two out of their next three games. The Commanders finish up the season against the 49ers, Browns, and Cowboys. So I think it's very likely that the Commanders could lose two out of their next three if not all three of the remaining games. I damn sure don't see the Commanders beating the 49ers this week in the Bay. I don't see it happening. 
or the Giants got to lose out for the Packers to make the playoffs. But I think it's a very, very great possibility that the Commanders lose against the 49ers and possibly against the Cowboys in Week 18. And if the Packers went out, that would open the door for the Packers' playoff chances. Everybody go and follow Wise Guys on Twitter at WiseGuys underscore H. Also on Facebook, Wise Guys. And be sure to follow Wise Guys on Instagram at These Guys Know Sports. Coming out the break, I'm going to discuss the Bengals come from behind win over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers Sunday in Tampa. I'll be right back. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Welcome back to Wise Guys. These guys know sports. Here live on the Worldwide Sports Network. Everybody remember to go follow Wise Guys on Twitter at WiseGuys underscore H. Also on Facebook, Wise Guys. And we should have followed Wise Guys on Instagram at These Guys Know Sports. Before I transition to the Bengals Buccaneers matchup in Tampa Sunday afternoon, I want to say this about Aaron Rodgers real quick because I heard Aaron Rodgers in the post-game press conference, in the immediate aftermath of the Packers' win over the Rams last night, Aaron Rodgers talked about basically how the Packers still have a chance at making the playoffs, and everything is on the up and up for the Packers. They are very positive in the locker room. They believe that they have a chance to make the playoffs. So I I, want to say this about Aaron Rodgers. Now, with the emergence of Romeo Dobbs and Christian Watson, I don't see how Aaron Rodgers could retire at the end of the season. I still believe Aaron Rodgers can play at a very, very high level. This is a quarterback in Aaron Rodgers in a down year where he's had 23 touchdowns, 10 interceptions, 3,093 passing yards. He's completed 65% of his passes this year. In a down year, Aaron Rodgers is still going to probably throw for 30 touchdowns and have less than 12 interceptions this season. And his completion percentage is still going to be at a high clip. I believe that Aaron Rodgers should definitely consider returning back for his 19th season because. The upside that this Packers offense is going to have with Christian Watson and Romeo Dobbs is something that I know Aaron Rodgers 
wants to be a part of. And not only that, I believe that it's a great possibility that Tom Brady retires in the offseason. I don't think that Aaron Rodgers wants to share that spotlight with Tom Brady retiring in the same offseason. I think Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers both respectfully have earned the right to go out on their own, own terms and make it all about them. I think they've earned that right. I don't want to see Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady retire at the same time. Now, Matt Ryan and Tom Brady, I wouldn't mind seeing retire at the same time because Matt Ryan was never on the level of Tom Brady. Aaron Rodgers was on Tom Brady's level, if not better than Tom Brady. So I think that all things, and, and not to mention, the Packers more than likely want Rodgers to return for a 19th season because they owe Rodgers a lot of money. And Aaron Rodgers wants that money. So I think given the fact that Aaron Rodgers is going to get paid a lot of money to return back for his 19th season and him not wanting to share that retirement spotlight with Tom Brady this offseason, I think that's more of a reason for him to return for his 19th season. Not only that, the upside in Watson and Dobbs is something that I know Rodgers wants to be a part of in their sophomore seasons in the NFL. And this Packers football team will be contenders in the NFC North next year. I'm going to ask y'all something right now. All things considered, in the NFC North next year, who are you taking, Aaron Rodgers or Jared Goff? Who are you taking, Aaron Rodgers or Justin Fields? Aaron Rodgers or Kirk Cousins? That's why I believe Aaron Rodgers should and will return back for his 19th NFL season as starting quarterback of the Green Bay Packers. Everybody go and follow Wise Guys on Twitter at WiseGuys underscore H. Also on Facebook, Wise Guys. And be sure to follow Wise Guys at Instagram at These Guys No Sports. Let's transition to Tampa Bay and let's talk about the Cincinnati Bengals 17-point comeback against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The Bengals beat the Buccaneers 34 to 23 for the Bengals. Joe Burrow had a great game again. He went 27 of 39. He threw for 400 passing yards, four touchdowns, one interception for the Buccaneers. Tom Brady went 30 of 44. He threw for 312 passing yards, three touchdowns, two interceptions, two fumbles lost in this game. So as I watched this game, Sunday afternoon, my biggest takeaway was the better football team won Sunday in Tampa Bay. There were people that were on social media, that were on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, that were talking about the, the Bengals struggling, being down 17 to the Buccaneers in the first half. I saw a lot of people who were clowning the, the Bengals, 
Well, the Bengals did get a late field goal. They got a late field goal. So it was 17-2-3 at half. There were a lot of people that were saying that the Bengals were done and they don't have a chance to win this game against the Buccaneers, being down 17-3 at half, and basically that the Buccaneers were going to beat the Bengals and Tom Brady was going to show Joe Burrow that he is still the man in the NFL and the man to be reckoned with. And the Cincinnati Bengals and Joe Burrow had a lot to say about those individuals who thought the game was over because it was a complete beatdown that took place in the second half of this Bengals-Buccaneers football game. The Bengals outscored the Buccaneers 31-6 to in the second half. Joe Burrow threw four second-half touchdown passes which is tied for a franchise record for a half. The Bengals had 21 points off turnovers. That's the second most in a Brady start since his career has started. 21 points off of turnovers for the Bengals. And in that third quarter, everything fell apart for Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. This was Tom Brady's first home loss with a 17-point lead. Tom Brady was previously 89-0 in games at home where he had a 17-point lead. Also, Tom Brady, he committed a turnover on four straight second-half drives. That's the first career game with multiple interceptions and fumbles lost. First time ever where that's happened in Tom Brady's career. And this third quarter was a third quarter to forget for the Buccaneers. I saw four straight drives, four straight drives where the Buccaneers self-destructed. Brady threw an interception. He followed that up with a fumble on a potential sack. And then... He mishandled the snap. He was trying to get the ball to Leonard Fournette. Couldn't get him the football. That was a fumble. It was mistake after mistake after mistake for the Buccaneers in this football game. And the Bengals, Bengals capitalized. The Bengals capitalized on the Buccaneers' mistakes. I thought that the Buccaneers lost this game more than the Bengals won this game. I'm not taking nothing away from the Cincinnati Bengals. I want to be very, very clear about what I'm saying. The Bengals are on a six-game winning streak, okay? Joe Burrow, in my opinion, is third in the NFL MVP conversation right now. For the season, Joe Burrow got 31 touchdowns, 10 interceptions, 3,885 passing yards. He's completed 68% of his passes. Joe Burrow is an NFL MVP candidate, and the Bengals are a Super Bowl contender. But the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are an awful football team, and they lost this game more than the Bengals won this game. I mean, it was countless error after countless error. As great as the Buccaneers played in the first half, they were that much more pathetic in the second half. 
Seriously, the Bengals are the more superior football team. Joe Burrow is better than Tom Brady is. And the Bengals are surging in the right direction. For a while, I tried to hold back on giving the Bengals the credit that they deserve because they had beaten teams like the Falcons, like the Panthers, like the Steelers. No, over the last month with wins against the Chiefs, against a Browns team, that's a team that's fighting for their playoff lives, and then against a Buccaneers team that has Tom Brady, the Cincinnati Bengals have elevated to being a top-five team in the NFL as far as I'm concerned. Seriously, they're playing some great football. And when they were down 17-0 in the second quarter, I didn't blink. I knew they had a chance to come back in the second half. But the Buccaneers are not a good football team. And it's time for Tom Brady to retire. It's time. The time has arrived. We love Tom Brady. Tom Brady has won seven Super Bowls in his career. He's won multiple NFL MVP awards. He has the passing touchdown record. But it is time for Tom Brady to retire. The time has come. It has come. And it used to be a time where things around Tom Brady were going wrong. And that's the reason why his team was losing games. Tom Brady is now a part of the reason why the Buccaneers lose football games. He's a part of the problem. He's a part of the problem in Tampa. And the only reason why the Buccaneers are playoff contenders is because they play in the NFC South. That's the only reason why we're talking about the Buccaneers being a playoff team in the NFC. But the Bengals are playing some great football. You look at Joe Burrow this season. With his 27 touchdowns, that's ranked second in the NFL. His 68 completion percentage is ranked third in the NFL. And he's averaging 283 passing yards per game. That's ranked third in the NFL. These are all categories when it comes to quarterbacks. That was entering week 15. So Tom, Joe Burrow is playing some great football. And this offense with Jamar Chase, with T. Higgins, with Tyler Boyd, they, they are definitely elevating their games as we get later in the season. And I like the fact that Joe Burrow had an opportunity to get Chase, Boyd, and Higgins all touchdown receptions in this game. Jamar Chase, seven receptions, 60 receiving yards, one touchdown. Tyler Boyd, five receptions, 35 receiving yards, one touchdown. Higgins. Five receptions, 33 receiving yards, one touchdown. So Higgins, Boyd, and Chase all had a touchdown reception in this football game. And they honestly are playing some great football as a trio at receiver. I love what Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle was doing down there in Miami, but it is undeniable how great the Bengals receiving core is. They might be the best receiving core in the NFL. They might be. And I because Tyreek and Waddle both already have over a thousand yards receiving. Tyreek Hill may get over two thousand receiving yards this year, and they are the reasons why Tua has had his best season of his career. But 
the trio with Chase, Higgins, and Boyd might be the best trio of receivers in the NFL. Everybody go follow Wise Guys on Twitter at WiseGuys underscore H. Also on Facebook, Wise Guys. And be sure to follow Wise Guys at Instagram at These Guys No Sports. Come out the break. I'm going to discuss the Vikings come from behind win over the Indianapolis Colts. I'll be right back. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Welcome back to Wise Guys. These guys know sports. Here live on the Worldwide Sports Network. Everybody remember to go follow Wise Guys on Twitter at Wise Guys underscore H. Also on Facebook, Wise Guys. Be sure to follow Wise Guys on Instagram at These Guys Know Sports. Don't forget tonight I'm going to have Packers writer Paul Brittle on the show to discuss the Green Bay Packers and their 24-12 to win over the L.A. Rams last night and their playoff chances in the NFC. So stay tuned for that. I'm going to have Paul on here in a bit to discuss the pack. But let's transition to Minnesota. And let's talk about the largest comeback in NFL history. It happened in Minnesota on Saturday afternoon. The Vikings beat the Colts 39-36 to in overtime. They clinched the NFC North. It was the largest comeback in NFL history. And so when I look at this game, I know that the Minnesota Vikings played great in the second half against the Colts. I know Kirk Cousins outperformed Matt Ryan in the second half of this game. I know Kevin O'Connell outcoached Jeff Saturday in this game, in the second half. And the Vikings, we know that they are one of the best teams in the NFC with an 11-3 record. They won the NFC North. They got great weapons like Justin Jefferson, like Adam Thielen, like Dalvin Cook in the backfield. I'm taking nothing away from the Minnesota Vikings. But you can't have a great comeback without a great collapse the Indianapolis Colts should be ashamed to show their faces in a city of Indianapolis this week it is time for Matt Ryan to retire Matt Ryan has now been a part of the largest collapse in NFL history in the Super Bowl and in the regular season it is time for Matt Ryan to retire For the season, Matt Ryan got 14 touchdowns, 13 interceptions, 3,057 passing yards, 
He's completed 67% of his passes. Matt Ryan had a good career in the NFL. But Matt Ryan's best days are behind him. Matt Ryan was awful in the second half of this game against the Vikings. We've been talking about Tom Brady's struggles this year. We've been talking about Aaron Rodgers' struggles this year. The one thing that Matt Ryan has not been able to do this year is play at a consistent level. And I haven't seen him play one great game this year. I've seen Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady both play great games at least one or two times this year. I haven't seen one great performance from Matt Ryan this year. One great performance. And the one thing that Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady have going for them is once they retire, they are immediately going into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. I'm not sure about Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan is good. He's a good quarterback, but he's never been on the same level as a Drew Brees or an Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady. But it's time for Matt Ryan to retire. It's definitely time for Matt Ryan to hang him up. I know he won NFL MVP back in 2016, the year when the Falcons went to the Super Bowl. That year he had 38 touchdowns, seven interceptions. He had close to 5,000 passing yards. He won NFL MVP under Kyle Shanahan. But Matt Ryan, his best days are behind him, and he was pathetic in the second half. Jeff Saturday is not going to be the head coach of the Indianapolis Colts next season. Jeff Saturday knows his football. He's probably forgotten more football than I'll ever know. But Jeff Saturday will not be the head coach in Indianapolis next year. There's no way in hell Jim Irsay could bring back Jeff Saturday as the head coach of the Indianapolis Colts after this 33-point collapse. There's no way it can happen. If, the, if, this, if that happens, I wouldn't blame Colts fans for protesting Jeff Saturday being the head football coach of the Colts. I could not blame them. If they want to protest it, I would not blame them one bit. Because seriously, after being up 33-0 to zero on the Vikings at halftime, Jeff Saturday went into the locker room and I was thinking maybe they can bring him back next season and see what they have in him as a future head coach. That was with the 33-point lead going into the locker room for the Colts. When he went back onto the field, I said, well, maybe they can finish off this game the right way and maybe he'll be the head coach of the Colts next season. When he went back to the locker room, there's no way in hell that he could be the head coach of the Indianapolis Colts next season. And honestly, if I'm Jim Irsay, I wouldn't have allowed Jeff Saturday back on the flight back to Indianapolis. I would have left him back in Minnesota. I love Jeff. Again, Jeff is a great football mind. He was a great ESPN analyst for multiple years at ESPN. He had a great career in the NFL, but that 33-point collapse has to be on the shoulders of Jeff Saturday. He got to shoulder some of that blame. He has to. He has to shoulder some of that blame. So I think it's time for Matt Ryan and Jeff Saturday to both be out in Indianapolis 
And the, the Vikings, you know, to their credit, they did a great job not giving up in this game. Most teams, when they're down 33-0, they give up, and they pretty much throw in a towel, and you see the backups in. You get a chance to see the rookies get some playing time. And the guys who are barely on the team, the 53 and 47th man on the roster, they get some playing time in these moments. But Kirk Cousins and Kevin O'Connell, the head coach of the Vikings, get them some credit because they kept this football team together in this moment. And for them to outscore the Colts 39-3 to three in the second half, it, it is nothing short of amazing. Nothing short of amazing. Everybody go follow the Wise Guys on Twitter at WiseGuys underscore. Wait, y'all saw on Facebook, Wise Guys. And be sure to follow the Wise Guys on Instagram at These Guys Know Sports. Coming out the break, I'm going to bring on Packers writer Paul Bretto and talk about the Packers 24-12 win over the Rams last night and their playoff hopes in the NFC. I'll be right back. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Welcome back to Wise Guys. These guys know sports. Here live on the Worldwide Sports Network. Everybody want to go follow the Wise Guys on Twitter at WiseGuys underscore H. Also on Facebook, Wise Guys. Be sure to follow Wise Guys on Instagram at These Guys Know Sports. Call to the show, 513-203-8655. 513-203-8655. But it's time for my Weekly guest of Wise Guys Sports joining Wise Guys tonight is writer at the Dairyland Express and Packers Wire writer. His name is Paul Reddle. What's up, Paul? How you doing tonight? I'm fantastic, Trey. Appreciate you having me on. Excited to talk Packers. Definitely excited to talk Packers with you, Paul. So, Paul, let me go ahead and give you some information before we get to our interview. I am a diehard Packers fan. Yes, I have a sports podcast. Yes, I have a sports talk radio show where I talk about the NBA. I talk about the NFL. I talk a little college football. But I am a Packers fan, Paul. So I got to let you know that before we get (laughs) But let's get right to it, Paul. So last night, the Packers beat the Rams on Monday Night Football 24-12. to It was the Packers' second consecutive win. And for me... Paul, I had mixed emotions after the game. On a positive side, the Packers improving to six and eight. They keep their playoff hopes alive at six and eight in the NFC. 
need a lot of things to go right for them in the final three weeks, but they keep their playoff hopes alive. But on the negative side, I feel like they beat the Rams, a team that threw in the towel, no Aaron Donald, no Matthew Stafford, no Cooper Cup. Honestly, how should I feel about this win as a Packers fan? I'm in the same spot you are. I, I call this a taking care of business win because they did exactly what they had to do. I mean, even before they they stepped on the field, they had several things going their way, playing at home off a of bye week. Uh, this is the healthiest that Green Bay's been in a long time. We know the Rams have just been decimated by injuries. It was cold. And, and then on top of that, the Rams have just struggled from, from top to bottom, in large part due to injuries. And so they did what they had to do. Uh, especially on the defensive side of the ball. What I will say, if we want to extrapolate some positives, some things that we can hold on to, you know, the Rams, they played a ton of cover two, uh, protecting yeah. against that, that downfield pass, uh, a lot of soft coverages. And I was, I thought it was very encouraging to see that the Packers didn't force anything. They kept it simple. They took the quick, easy completions that were there. Uh, they leaned heavily on the run game. And I was also happy too, to see that they had a good run pass mix. Cause I know that the, you know, over the last month or so, Christian Watson's emergence has been massive for this team. But as we look at how their points go, the run game's been connected to that. Uh, Dallas, Philadelphia, Chicago, where they're averaging almost 32 points a game in those three. Aaron Jones, A.J. Dillon had a combined over 400 rushing yards at five yards per clip. Meanwhile, we look at the Titans game. They score 17. Run game couldn't get going, barely averaging three yards per rush. Packers had to lean heavily on the passing game. Things didn't work out in that regard. Against the Lions, they put up nine points. Again, run game couldn't get going, forced to lean on the passing game. And it again, it it just hasn't been robust enough. Hopefully now it's 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 better than what it was those few weeks ago. But I say all that to say going against the Rams uh defensive front, uh very good. And I thought this could have been a game where Green Bay got pass heavy, uh yeah. picking on the secondary, but they didn't. Going back to my main point, they were balanced, and that along with taking what was there, I think was a uh, very encouraging to see from an offensive standpoint. One of the things that I was excited about entering this game, Paul was being able to see Christian Watson and Romeo Dobbs on the field together for the first time, honestly, this year, both healthy. And in this game, Dobbs had five receptions, 55 receiving yards, Watson four receptions, 46 receiving yards. How do you feel about this dynamic duo that we have at receiver, two rookies who are trying to earn the trust of Aaron Rodgers? I mean, it really feels like sky's the limit. Christian Watson's been a, a legitimate game changer for this Packers team. And as I referenced earlier, the Rams played a ton of off coverage cover two. If we rewind even a month ago, five weeks ago against Detroit, against Dallas, you know, they were playing cover one, pressing the Packers receivers because they didn't respect the the Packers receivers or the ability to be beat deep. That's yeah. changed now with Christian Watson there. And Watson and Dobbs, Dobbs was on a bit of a, a snap count, but they were on the field for 13 plays together. And this this info is from ESPN. Rodgers was seven for seven uh, for 91 yards when on those 13 plays in the passing game, and they had eight first downs. I mean, that says everything right there. Watson's, you know, Dobbs provides uh, – 
an additional playmaker that the defenses have to be mindful of now. It's not just, you know, Christian Watson, the run game. Obviously, Al Mazar, Randall Cobb are there as well, but it's someone else that they have to be mindful of. And if we look at Dobbs' as like yards per catch this season, not that it leaps off the page. I think it's like just under 11 yards per catch. But 2020 at Nevada, he was one of the best downfield threats in the country. Uh, yeah. So he absolutely has that playmaking ability. And one thing I want to add about Christian Watson, you know, he had 46 yards didn't have a touchdown. It wasn't that same, you know, stat filling game that we've grown accustomed to from him, yeah. but man, his impact was felt throughout the game. He drew those two penalties that extended drives because he beat his man. And I think many of us will agree there could have been others thrown. Uh, he had a key block on Aaron Jones's touchdown run. And yeah. then again, the Rams playing that off coverage. A lot of that's a product of Christian Watson. Yeah. And I thought it was funny too, Paul, at the end of the game, when the Packers were in the red zone, mm-hmm. Aaron Rodgers had he had dropped back the pass. He threw it quick to Watson. It was a hot. It was a hot read. Watson, for whatever reason, he wasn't on the same page with Rodgers. And he's Rodgers said at the end of the game, he said, "Hey, if you want to catch test, touchdown passes, you got you got to run the right routes." And I thought mm-hmm. that was kind of funny because that was an opportunity for Watson to get into the end zone late in the game. Yeah, they, it definitely sounded like Rodgers, and you could tell those last few plays, they were trying to get him in there. I, I don't have the, the number off the top of my head, but if he had caught a fifth a touchdown, that would have been five in a row, and that would have, I think, tied or set a record in terms of rookie receivers. You know, I think tied him with, like, Randy Moss, obviously very elite company yeah. um, in that regard. So they were trying to get him that. And and Rodgers mentioned as well exactly what you said, that uh, you got to run the right route to get the touchdown. And after the game in the post-game press conference, he referenced another route earlier in the game yeah. Uh, where him and Watson weren't on the same page either. So that could have ended in a touchdown as well. Now, he almost had a touchdown, I believe, on the same drive, Paul. He had caught a pass on the left side of the field. Mm-hmm. And he, if he would have made one guy miss, I think mm-hmm. he would have got into the end zone for his fifth touchdown in his fifth consecutive game. But he wasn't able to make that guy miss. It was a great open field tackle. Mm-hmm. But I think, it was, I think it was Troy Hill that got that got yep. Watson on that play. But he had, he had a shot. He, he definitely had a shot. But – when it, when it comes to the Packers' running game, obviously last night the Packers had 138 rushing yards, 207 passing yards. How important is it, Paul, for this Packers offense to have a balanced attack with the running game and the passing game? It's it's everything. You know, as I referenced earlier, the their points per game and how effective they are on the ground have been going hand in hand. Uh, those three games, like I said, where they're above 28, run game was super effective. Two games against Tennessee, Detroit, where they struggled to put up points, 26 total. Uh, run game wasn't going. And when we've seen the Packers get one-dimensional, have to rely on the passing game, they just haven't been good enough yet in that regard. Hopefully, you know, in the coming weeks with Watson, Dobbs back, Lazard, uh, yeah. Randall Cobb healthy, you know, they can lean more heavily on on that part of the game if they have to. But the running game has been been everything for them. And uh, Adam Stenovich, Packers offensive coordinator, uh, he, w- he was asked about this. And he essentially said that when you have the run game, you have Christian Watson's home run ability on the outside, like calling off calling the offense really is that simple because they just feed off each other. And as, as we all know, like a defense, you can't take away the deep play and try to take away the run, too. You got to pick. And that's really been stressing defenses. And in addition to that, Stenovich added, it all starts with the run game, though. So it's it's very, very important for them to get going. And the health along the offensive line, the play of the offensive line since the Dallas game, too, has, has been a big reason that hasn't been talked about a ton, but a big reason behind their success on offense as of late as well. Let's talk about Aaron Rodgers real quick, Paul. He has 23 touchdowns. 
10 interceptions, 3,093 passing yards. He's completed 65% of his passes this year. We know how great Aaron Rodgers is, but a lot of people feel like Aaron Rodgers is having a bad season. But to me, I believe that Aaron Rodgers statistically, if there were average quarterbacks who had his numbers this year, we would consider those quarterback seasons great seasons. To that, you say what? I think that's accurate. It, you know, it, it's all relative. Aaron Rodgers is still, you know, putting up big numbers. Uh, you know, even with the ups and downs in, in the deep passing game, he's still been effective overall in in that regard. So, by yeah, by his standards, it's a down year, but he's still, you know, having those moments and. I think a lot of it too is there has been, you know, I think in part to the thumb, I think there's more throws that stand out to a lot of us this year that have been missed. He's also thrown more interceptions, yeah, uh, more times where just him and the receivers haven't been on the same page, whether, uh, you know, he was expecting them in one place, they ran the wrong routes. Cause I know that we all know that that was an, an issue early on in the season as well. And then the, the offensive line play early on as they dealt with injuries, there's just been a lot of moving parts. And as we look back at everything that's gone wrong with the Packers team, this season you know the the frustrating part is we try to figure out what the issue is it's like every week it's it was something different first it was these three four things and then it was these three four and like it was just hard to pinpoint some you know each week what it was going to be but you know he's still putting up you know big time numbers because he's still he's still in rogers he's a writer at the dairyland express and packers wire he is paul Reddle. paul honestly when i look at aaron Rodgers. I thought last night he was on he he wasn't on the same page with Alan Lazard on that interception. Like I thought Lazard was open, and for whatever reason, the ball sailed on Rogers interception for the Rams. That was a play early in the game where I thought the Packers could have scored some points and possibly grabbed all the momentum. I, I like to your point, I just feel like all year it's kind of been, you know, him not being on the same page with his receivers, and it happened again last night on that interception on the play that he was trying to get the ball to Alan Lazard. Yeah, I think that's what it was, too, is I think it was a mis, uh, miscommunication versus Rodgers just airmailing Lazard that poorly. Looking back at it, you could see Ram safety Taylor Rapp coming over the top, so I wonder if Lazard wanted to kind of sit down in the open area and expected the ball there, whereas Rodgers expected him to keep going. You know, that that's my best guess at what took place, particular moment on that play. Going back to Christian Watson, Lazard was as open as he was because he took like three guys with him as he ran across the field, which again just shows the gravity that he has even when the yeah. ball's not coming his way. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Now, there were Packer fans on Twitter, Packer fans on Facebook, and a lot of NFL analysts and people that were talking about the possibility of the Packers sitting Aaron Rodgers. I heard this after they lost to the Eagles in Week 12. Remember, they lost to the Eagles 40-33. to Rodgers left that game with a rib injury. Jordan Love finished that game. So, Paul, for you, was there ever any point this season where you thought that the Packers should turn the reins over to Jordan Love and let Aaron Rodgers go to the bench? For me, it was all dependent upon what the conversations behind the scenes were like. Uh, between Rodgers, Lafleur, and Gutekunst, you know his contract's incredibly difficult to get out of next year. I mean, if they want to after June first, they can. But again, it's going to come with a ton of pain from a salary cap perspective. But if there was any sort of uncertainty in from Rodgers and whether he wanted to be back, whether it was walking away or you know didn't want to 
be a Green Bay Packer anymore. You know, then I thought at that point, yeah, if if that's a conversation that's been had, yeah, you need to see more of what you have in Jordan Love. And Gudikin said they feel confident enough in what they've seen so far to make a decision on his fifth year option, whichever way that ends up going. But still, there's nothing like experience uh, to help you know build that uh, foundation up for him, for him. On the flip side, you know, as long as they're still in contention, Rodgers gives them the best chance to win. So obviously, you go out there to we play to win the game. I know in today's NFL, we the offseason's huge, free agency, talking about draft picks. But at the end of the day, you know, you want to win as many football games as possible. So I, I 100% get that, and, and I'm on board with that. If they were eliminated and the Packers decided to not start Jordan Love at any point once eliminated, from there, I think if, as long as you they're confident that Rodgers wants to be back and will be back, and they've LaFleur and Gudikins have made it clear they want him back in 2023, I still think there's a ton of value in him getting those reps with his wide receivers. I mean, we just spent a few minutes throughout this show talking about some miscommunications that happened just last night against the Rams. Getting on the same page with Rodgers, the late adjustments, the verbal cues, the nonverbal cues, I mean... There's no, there's no replacing that, like actually being on the football field. Practice is great. The film room's great, but ultimately it comes down to what happens on the field. And so if Rodgers is set on coming back, I think that, you know, continuing to play him. So hopefully they can continue to build more momentum with his young pass catchers and take off at a higher point next season. Now, Paul, I gotta be honest with you as a fan. I'm still Paul, not over us trading away Devontae <laughs> Adams the best receiver in the NFL mm-hmm. during the offseason last year. We know over the last three years, Paul, the Packers, they are 39-10 and 10 in the regular season. Rodgers won back-to-back NFL MVPs with Devontae Adams alongside. I was disappointed and hurt when we traded Devontae Adams during the offseason. And me personally, Paul, I put some of that – Blame on Aaron Rodgers for Devontae Adams departing Green Bay. Now, I am one of those people, Paul. I I am not ashamed to admit it. I have no issue with Devontae choosing to leave Green Bay for Las Vegas. It's Vegas. It's warm weather. The decision is easy for me if I'm Devontae. But as a fan of the Packers, I was disappointed because I wanted Devontae to finish his career in Green Bay and finish with Aaron Rodgers, you know, as a nice duo to possibly get to the Super Bowl and win. What was your reaction once we traded Devontae away? And how did you feel about it once the season started? I was shocked. The Packers, there's always seems to be this uncertainty whether they're going to bring back their star players, but they always do. They always end up paying top of market value for they're high-end guys, Kenny Clark, David Bakhtiari, you know, being recent examples as well. Looking at their history, how they operate, they retain their own guys and spend big money versus going to free agency typically and spending big money. So I thought that's how it was going to play out. So absolutely shocked. And when you mentioned, uh, you know, having some of the blame on Aaron Rodgers, looking back on it, you, I, I do wonder if there hadn't been that uncertainty about, about whether or not he was coming back. You know, that makes it easier for the Packers during the what would have been the 2021 summer to offer Devontae an extension at that point. But you can't do that when you don't know if your star quarterback is going to be back. 
uh, what that does. Cause you, cause you don't know what the salary cap picture is going to look like. I can't, it, you know, it, it, it's not that they didn't want Devonte back, but that's just a huge chunk of dollars in your salary cap that you have no idea where it's going to be. So that makes it really hard to work out a contract. That's going to be top of market, you know, five-year deal, six-year deal, whatever it was that he received. So I, I think looking back at that, you can we can sit here and wonder if things would have played out differently and Devontae might still be here if there wasn't that uncertainty around Rodgers' future. Now, building the receiver position, I think, you know, hindsight being 2020, uh, you know, attacking the free agent market a, a little bit differently in that regard, and not that they had a ton of dollars to spend, but, you know, Sammy Watkins was meant to provide some stability at the position as the rookies came along, along with Cobb and Lazard. And unfortunately, it just didn't happen. Battled some injuries. You know, there were instances where he and Rodgers just weren't on the same page. Wasn't creating the the same separation that we had seen from him in the past because he's been an effective downfield target. So yeah. I think their approach in the draft, getting, you know, Watson, Dobbs. I mean, we're looking at it now. I'm not saying anything that no one doesn't know. But, uh, you know, they're seeing that pay off. But if I think what could have helped solidify this unit a bit more is if they had a more of a key veteran contributor in addition to that group. And for me, Paul, I do blame Aaron Rodgers for the departure of Devontae Adams because, like you mentioned, I think Aaron Rodgers' indecisiveness is what basically mm-hmm. ultimately decided the fate of Devontae Adams in Green Bay. I think had Aaron Rodgers been committed to the Packers and committed to playing football for the next three mm-hmm. years, I believe the Packers – would have gotten a deal done with Devontae Adams. But I believe, Paul, honestly, Devontae felt a little underappreciated because Mm -hmm. he was a part of the reason why Aaron Rodgers won back-to-back NFL MVPs. And he was thinking, you guys will keep trying to chase Aaron Rodgers and wonder what the hell he's going to do. I'm still here. I'm Mm -hmm. still the best receiver in the NFL. I think Devontae felt a little underappreciated by the Packers organization to that you say what I could absolutely see in that being the case. Cause at the end of the day, you know, regardless of who's under center, you know, he's the best receiver in football. You pay the best receiver in football and whether or not there was a way to work around it, you know, the salary cap and all that's so incredibly intricate, but that's just a large number of dollars that they didn't couldn't account for with Rogers. Yeah, I def I, I get it. I definitely understand the salary cap and all that. And one more thing about Rogers real quick, Paul, I want to know, where does Rodgers rank amongst your greatest quarterbacks of all time? Because you look at Aaron Rodgers' career, you know, he, the man got 472 touchdowns, 103 interceptions. The man nearly got a 5-to-1 touchdown to interception ratio, 58,453 passing yards. He completed 65% of his passes, four-time NFL MVP. Where does he rank on your list? when it comes to greatest quarterbacks of all time? That's a great question. And admittedly, I'm not a huge list guy. I will say in terms of just talent with the football, he's got to absolutely be up there close in the one to two range, just in terms of what he can do with the the football, the incredible throws that he's made, uh, the arm strength, the talent, the in, the ability to make throws you know, off platform like he does. Uh, it, it, it's incredible to watch, but I, I don't have a definitive answer for you on terms of all time. You know, we'll throw out top five or so in that range. Yeah, definitely top five. Because I, I think, so for me, Paul, when I measure quarterbacks mm-hmm. and greatness, I don't just look at Super Bowls. Right. Because I look I at your, because football is the ultimate team sport. Mm-hmm. 
I look at your talent, your ability, because you could be a quarterback who can play great in a playoff game and your team not win. It yeah. happened last year with Josh Allen. Ask Josh yeah. Allen how he <laughs> felt about the Buffalo Bills last year because Josh Allen was sensational in that playoff game. And, you know, a lot of people think that Aaron Rodgers, they think that he can't get it done in big games. But I beg to differ, Paul, because statistically, Aaron has been better in the postseason than Peyton Manning. He's been better in the postseason than Drew Brees. This perception that Aaron Rodgers doesn't get it done in the playoffs is false to me because there's been playoff games where I've witnessed Aaron Rodgers literally drag the Packers to games and have a chance to win just because of him. So I, I don't like the perception. What do you believe about Aaron Rodgers and how he performs in the playoffs? Aaron Rodgers football. I mean, what's that stat that like the the Packers playoff losses, the average points given up is what, 33, 35 points? It's, yeah. it's, some, it's some absolutely ridiculous number. Uh, so, yeah, no, he's he's played incredibly well. You know, throughout the regular season, throughout the playoffs during his time here with the uh, Green Bay Packers. He definitely has. And like I said, for me, I think he's the most talented quarterback of all time. Mahomes mm-hmm. is going to have a lot to say about that <laughs> because I see how he's balling out there in Kansas City. Mm-hmm. But 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 the way Rodgers has, has played and the accomplishments that he's had since he's been the quarterback of Green Bay, to me, he's, he's definitely one of the top five quarterbacks I've ever seen play. But mm-hmm. let's get back for to sure. this current Packers team, Paul. Let's switch gears to the defense. The defense is led by defensive coordinator Joe Barry. Defensively, the Packers give up 149 rushing yards per game. That's ranked 29th in the NFL. They only give up 185 passing yards, which is ranked second in the NFL. So how do you feel about the Packers' defense at this point in the season? It's been disappointing, to say the least. This was a this was a unit that was you know, expected to be one of the best in football as the offense tried to find its way, which it looks like over the last five, six weeks or so, they've started to, you know, that first chunk of the season, the defense was supposed to be the one that, that carried them. And they just haven't done that. I mean, pick out a defensive player on the side of the ball or on that side of the ball that you can say is playing above expectation. I mean, Keyshawn Nixon, Rudy Ford. I mean, they've been terrific surprises for this defense, but other than that, it's guys, you know, underwhelming. And we can look at Joe Barry's scheme because at the end of the day, he's the he's the man in charge. He's the one calling plays. So if many guys on your unit aren't performing, well, are you putting them in the best positions to succeed? But on the flip side, when things go as poorly as they have for the Packers defense, it's not just coaching. You know, you, you mentioned the run defense. Barry's defense plays with a lot of light boxes. It's MO is to take away the big passing play. So that in itself doesn't necessarily create a strong run defense. But the edge rushers have been poor all season at setting the edge. Guys aren't getting off blocks. Uh, run fits at the linebacker position have you know not been the best. The secondary, there have been a ton of miscommunications. And it's a lot of the same issues, you know, that happened early on in the season have been happening, you know, in weeks 12, 13, 14, and so yeah. on. And that's everybody that's from Barry that to the position coaches, to the players. So, I mean, there's a, there's a ton of talent on that side of the ball and it, but they just haven't lived up to, 
to the expectations. Although I will say last night's game against the Rams, you know, it doesn't make me feel any really any differently about them just because the sample size of what's gone wrong is so much larger than what they did last night. But credit to them. They did what they should have done against uh, you know, a beaten up offensive line, uh, receiving core without Cooper Cup, Allen Robinson, a struggling run game. You know, they they took advantage of that. They controlled the line of scrimmage with their front seven. Uh, the secondary played sound. It was nice to see Joe Barry blitzing a little bit. They were playing some more press coverage rather than so far off. So there, there's definitely some encouraging things to see from them. But overall, the the body of work from this group, I mean, it's just they just haven't been up to expectations and it hasn't been particularly close. He's a writer at the Dairyland Express and Packers Wire. He is Paul Reddle. Paul, defensively, I was excited coming into the season because they brought in rookie Devontae Wyatt. They drafted Quay Walker as well. At linebacker, you already have Devondre Campbell and Chris Barnes. And in the secondary, you got Jair Alexander, an all-pro cornerback. You got Rasul Douglas as well. So I was excited about the defense. Even got veteran Kenny Clark up front. I feel like the personnel is there for the Packers to be a better defensive unit. And I've been very, very disappointed each game that I've watched this year. It seems like when they get teams in third and long situations, they can't get off the field, Paul. They, they, they cannot mm-hmm. get off the field. Last night they had like a third and 17. They finally got off the field. But before that play, I was praying, like, please, <laughs> please don't give up a 20-yard or 25-yard completion. And, again, they've been so inconsistent all year long. It's been just underwhelming. You know, the very few of those guys, like I said, are playing at expectation. And there's just been an inability on Joe Barry's part to adjust as well. You know, Jair Alexander should be moving around more just given his skill set to, yes, you know, yes. follow the top receiver. And I know that challenges because that's going to be man coverage and zone. And, you know, that can create issues with, you know, mixing and matching that. But I mean, that's what your personnel is. And then, how they handled the slot position, like coming out of training camp, like Razul Douglas, I think he had like less than 70 or 80 career snaps in the slot prior to this season. And since moving back to the boundary, he looks more like his old self, just, you know, being more of that playmaker that we saw last year. There's schematic questions like that. You mentioned them playing so far off and not adjusting. I'm sure your call as well. What was it? The first probably five, six weeks of the season, teams just ran crossers on them and they couldn't figure it out. Like yeah. the, the the lack of adjustments was just infuriating. And then again, too, I know a lot of you know, especially Twitter and stuff, will pile on Joe Barry, but the players too, they they haven't been uh, playing as they should either. And free safety, Darnell Savage last night. He only had one defensive snap. Mm-hmm. And Rudy Ford has taken over that position. Do you expect Ford to play free safety and Savage not get as many as much playing time as the season goes along and we get towards the end? I do. We were talking to Jerry Gray this past week, defensive backs coach, and he said it's it really can be a week to week adjustment on who's playing there. It just comes down to what do they see on the film, who's doing the right things, who's making the plays, and. While Rudy Ford, I guess I shouldn't say this, but because he's, I was going to say, well, he doesn't have the same playmaking ability, but he's been in on a ton of turnovers. So he has been making plays, but he's just provided stability at the position. You know, those miscommunications that happened in the secondary so often this season, you know, us from the outside looking in, we don't 
we ultimately, we can make our best educated guess, but we ultimately don't know whose responsibility it was. But what we do know is that at the root of a lot of those miscommunications was, was Darnell Savage. You know, he was always in the area when a lot of those breakdowns were taking place. And then of course there's the missed tackles uh, that he had as well. Ford, you know, he provides at least stability at that position. I think you could say the same thing about Keyshawn Nixon in the slot as well, because Savage, he's gone from free safety to slot to now just being on the field when they're in dime. So defensively for the Packers, Paul, they finish up in Miami on Christmas then they're home against the Vikings and then they're home against the Lions. If you had to say a particular player was an X factor for this Packers defense during these last three games, who would you say that player is? I'm going to go with Preston Smith. Because I think at the end of the day, you gotta you gotta get after the quarterback. If you can get after the quarterback, if you can generate pressure, the, you know, that makes life so much more challenging for the offense. And literally every phase player on the defensive side of the ball benefits when the quarterback's under duress. Preston Smith's been coming on. Uh, he's got four sacks over the last four games, and since not surprisingly, since Rashawn Gary's gone down with injury, they've struggled to to generate consistent pressure. You know, Joe Barry runs a lot of those five-man fronts. You go win your one-on-one matchup. Well, they consistently haven't been able to win those one-on-one matchups, which is why I said earlier it was nice to see them dial up a few blitzes against the Rams to try to generate some pressure. But I think Preston Smith and against against the run as well, I should mention, you know, the as a unit, the edge rushers in setting the edge and run defense, they haven't been the best, but you know, he's shown the most consistency out of that group. So helping against the run, getting after the quarterback, you know, that's that's the name of the game in football. So if he can continue to play uh, at a high level as he has been over these last few weeks, I think he's someone who can be a big difference maker for him. Keyshawn Nixon has been a great spark for this Packers football team, Paul. And every time he gets his hands on the football, mm-hmm. it makes you scratch your head wondering why the hell Matt LaFleur had Amari Rogers as his kick returner and punt returner for so long. Talk about the spark that Nixon has had for this Packers football team. It's been incredible, and he is so fun to watch. The juice that he has, and he's fearless as a return man. I mean, he he's never, he's never seen a kick or punt attempt that he didn't want to try to bring back. And then when he hits the corner, you know, he just turns it on. Uh, it's been incredible. And he's not only provided stability to the return position, but he's given them explosiveness as well, something that I mean, we have to go back a long ways to to find that here in Green yeah. Bay. But Rodgers, he's absolutely taken notice of Nixon. He had high praise for him after the Chicago game. And then last night after the game, he said that in his 18 years in Green Bay, he's never seen an opposing kicker intentionally kick away from a Green Bay return man, which is how the Rams opened up the second half with that little pooch kick that uh, Patrick Taylor ended up catching. Uh, so he's had nothing but high praise for him. And then the – we asked Lafleur after the game, you know, why did it take so long to discover, you know, find out that Nixon could do this? And as Lafleur does, he took, you know, he shouldered the blame for it, uh, but said that they just didn't necessarily knew what they had there, uh, whether that's just a lack of opportunities. Uh, it's not like he came to Green Bay with a ton of return experience from his time in Vegas. You know, he was known as as a gunner, as a flyer on, yeah. on the punk coverage team, and he made a ton of impact there earlier in the season. But you know, the Packers, with how the season was going for Amari Rodgers. Whether they knew what they had in Nixon or not, and obviously they must not have, um, they should have just been trying out anyone and everyone uh, just to 
find some sort of improvement over Amari Rogers, but he's been a heck of a spark. You know, you wonder looking back if he had been a part of this role for the entire season, you know, how does that affect some games? You know, if the Packers are have an extra possession or two where they're starting at the 45 or midfield instead of the 25. These are difference-making plays when Absolutely. he can have that type of impact on a kick or punt return. Absolutely. He's a writer at Dairyland Express and Packers Wire. He is Paul Reddle. Paul, so the Packers win over the Rams last night. They increased their playoff chances to 12% according to ESPN's analytics. So they obviously have to win out. They need a lot of help. What are the chances of the Packers being able to make the playoffs? Are you giving them a chance at all? Yeah, I think absolutely. So their path there in the terms of the help that they need. So the Giants or Washington. So the Giants, I should say, should start there. You know, they can't win another game or Washington can win one game. You know, Washington plays San Francisco, Cleveland and Dallas. You know, not that those are easy games. And then they need one more Seattle loss in yeah. addition to Green Bay winning out. So, I mean, in terms of the, the help that they need, that's not really that far-fetched. Um, you know, the hardest part might be them winning out just because they have to go to Miami. And, you know, we just talked about how the defense is underperformed and and they got some playmakers down there. And that's, yeah. a, that, that's a Kyle Shanahan offense that Man. could absolutely give Joe Barry and that defense fits. Tyreek you know, Hill and Jalen Waddle, Man. Yes, absolutely. Give me nightmares, man. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And then, uh, you know, Minnesota, you know, before I hopped on, you were just talking about how they put up 39 points in the second half against Indianapolis. And then Detroit, they're just one of the hottest teams in football right now. So, you know, the Packers winning out might be one of the tougher aspects of this, of what needs to take place. But if we're looking for something to hold, hang, to hang on to, the offense is, over the last month, they've been playing some of their best football. They have. And, I, and, I, and I, I've, I've looked at all the scenarios, Paul. I looked at all the scenarios, and I agree with you. <laughs> After I looked at the scenarios, I started thinking to myself, this isn't as far-fetched as some people may think mm -hmm. because the Commanders, they finished with the 49ers, Browns, Cowboys. So, you know, I don't wish injury on anyone, but Jalen Hurts is dealing with a shoulder injury now. So mm -hmm. the Cowboys, if they win, they may think, I don't think it's going to happen, but they'll maybe, they may think that they have a chance to win the NFC East. So they're going to play their starters in week 17 and week 18 mm -hmm. and see if the Eagles may slip up. The Cowboys are going to have to play the Commanders week 18 and they're going to play all their starters. Mm -hmm. So if the Packers, I think the hardest part is going to be the Packers winning out. <laughs> that's the hardest part. <laughs> like that's going to be, but if they can get by Miami, Paul, mm -hmm. if they yep. can get by Miami, then I think the conversation is going to amplify for them possibly being a playoff team in the NFC. Miami is going to be the tough game for me. Yeah, because divisional opponent, as the old saying goes, records get thrown out the window because they know each other so well. You know, they're going to be playing at home both those games against dome teams. The Vikings, they're still playing for seeding, but they've got the, the division wrapped up. So, yeah, I agree. The, the Miami one's going to be a big test. And just in terms of preparation, the Packers have six days. Uh, Miami has eight, and the Packers have to travel. So Absolutely. already a little little edge going in Miami's direction. Definitely, definitely. Paul, let everyone know where they can find you on social media. Yeah, I appreciate it. I can find me on Twitter at Paul underscore Brettel. I uh, also have my own YouTube page where basically discuss the articles that I write just uh, in video format. You can find that. It's just my name, Paul Brettel, B-R-E-T-L. He is a writer at the Dairyland Express and Packers Wire. He is Paul Brettel. Paul, I appreciate you coming on, Wise Guys, tonight. I'm definitely going to bring you on. 
later on in the season and possibly once we get to the offseason for sure, Paul. I look forward to it. I appreciate the opportunity and happy to jump back on at any time. Thank you, Paul. Go, Pat, go. Go, Pat, go. That was Paul Riddle of the Dairyland Express and Packers Wire joining the show tonight. Gave us some inside information on the Green Bay Packers and their possible playoff hopes. Everybody going to follow Wise Guys on Twitter at WiseGuys underscore H. Also on Facebook, Wise Guys. Be sure to follow Wise Guys at Instagram at These Guys No Sports. Coming out the break, I'm going to discuss the New England Patriots collapse in Las Vegas. I'll be right back. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Welcome back to Wise Guys. These guys know sports. Here live on the Worldwide Sports Network. Everybody remember, go follow the Wise Guys on Twitter at WiseGuys underscore H. Also on Facebook, Wise Guys. And be sure to follow Wise Guys on Instagram at These Guys Know Sports. Call to the show, 513-203-8655. 513-203-8655. Just had Packers writer Paul Brettle on the show discussing some Packers football some very very good information from paul you can definitely check it out on youtube the wise guys youtube page for sure but let's transition to las vegas and let's talk about the raiders win over the patriots sunday afternoon in las vegas the raiders beat the patriots 30 to 24 las vegas Recovered a fumble as time expired on multilateral play by the Patriots. It was the second go-ahead defensive touchdown with no time remaining in regulation in NFL history. So when I look at this game and what happened at the end of this game, I said it on Monday when I went live during the afternoon. Please, ladies and gentlemen, Children of all ages, please don't blame Bill Belichick for what happened at the end of the Patriots-Raiders football game. Because Bill Belichick is a six-time Super Bowl head coach. He is a three-time NFL head coach of the year, and he is – Universally recognized as the greatest coach in NFL history. What happened at the end of the Patriots-Raiders football game was not Bill Belichick's fault. I've been hearing NFL analysts on ESPN and Fox Sports, CBS Sports. They talked about how maybe this could be a coaching issue. 
Stop. Don't blame Bill Belichick for this horrific play by Jacoby Myers, who I'm going to get to in a bit. Don't blame Bill Belichick for that. You can blame Bill Belichick for a lot this year pertaining to the New England Patriots. The Patriots this year, offensively, they've been pathetic. They've been pathetic this year. They have been one of the worst teams in the NFL from an offensive standpoint this season. Offensively, the Patriots, they average 335 total yards per game. That's ranked 26th in the NFL. They only average 207 passing yards. That's ranked 23rd in the NFL. They average 22 points per game, which is ranked 17th in the NFL. And offensively, they have Matt Patricia and Joe Judge as their offensive coordinators. You can blame Bill Belichick for those reasons for why the Patriots have struggled this year. What you cannot do is blame Bill Belichick for what happened at the end of the game in Las Vegas the other day. That should be on the shoulders of Jacoby Myers. Now, Jacoby Myers came into the NFL in 2019. For his career, he got 194 receptions, 2,309 receiving yards, five touchdowns for his career. He was undrafted. He played at North Carolina State. I love his story. But that might be the dumbest play in NFL history. First of all, when he got the lateral from Stevenson, instead of going forward, he went backward. Not only that, he decided to throw the football to Matt Jones. Why would you throw the ball to Matt Jones? What the hell was Matt Jones going to do with the football in that moment of the football game? What was he going to do? And everyone wants to blame Mac Jones because Mac Jones couldn't tackle Chandler Jones. I think Mac Jones was as surprised as everyone else. He was as shocked as everyone else watching that game in real time at what the hell was happening. You can't expect Mac Jones to tackle Chandler Jones in that moment. And honestly, when Chandler Jones got the football, Mac Jones did pause for a second. Had he went straight for Chandler Jones' ankle, maybe he could have held on to his ankle for dear life until help came. But I can't blame Mac Jones for that play. I can't blame Mac Jones for not being able to tackle Chandler Jones in that moment. Chandler Jones was determined to get to the end zone. That bonehead play was on Jacoby Myers. It wasn't on Stevenson. It wasn't on Jones. It wasn't on the Patriots coaching staff. That dumb play was on Jacoby Myers. I was watching this game in real time because the Patriots, they have a shot at the playoffs. Before this loss, they were previously 7-6 and six in the AFC, and they were fighting for their playoff lives. And I'm thinking, okay, they go to overtime. Maybe Mac Jones can pull this off against a Raiders team that has been inconsistent all year long. And Joe, Kobe Myers does that stupid play at that moment of the football game. I'm watching the game in real time, and I honestly thought this can't be real. But this weekend, that 
collapsed by the Colts being up 33 points and Jacoby Myers' blunder at the end of that game were two things that I could not believe I was watching. I couldn't believe I was watching that collapse by the Colts and I could not believe I was watching Myers on that last play, what he did. It was unreal. It made you think, like, damn, does Jacoby Myers have something on the Raiders winning this game? He just completely threw the game away. And everybody wanted to talk about, well, in this game, the Patriots gave up 40 points to the Raiders. No, no, no. They lost this game because of Jacoby Myers' blunder at the end of the game. They were in a position to steal this game on the road in overtime until his blunder. Please, let's do ourselves a favor and not blame Bill Belichick for Jacoby Myers' late game blunder. We cannot do that. So that's my takeaway for it. And to Jacoby Myers' credit, I want to say this. But to his credit, he did go to the post-game press conference and own his mistake. So he showed accountability in that moment. So I'm going to give him a lot of credit for that. A lot of players would have ducked the media, and they would have not spoken to the media at the end of the game. But to Myers' credit, he stood there at his locker, and he answered question after question about this particular play. So I'm going to give him some credit for that. But that bonehead play cost the Patriots the football game, and it probably cost the Patriots a chance at making the postseason now that they're 7-7 seven and seven in a tough race in the AFC playoffs. Everybody go and follow Wise Guys on Twitter at WiseGuys underscore H. Also on Facebook, Wise Guys. Be sure to follow Wise Guys on Instagram at These Guys Know Sports. On Thursday's show, I'm going to preview NFL Week 16, my last show before Christmas, my last show before my birthday. So be sure to tune in Thursday night on the Wise Guys Sports Show on the World Wise Sports Network. Everybody go and follow Wise Guys on Twitter at WiseGuys underscore H. Also on Facebook, Wise Guys. And be sure to follow Wise Guys on Instagram at These Guys No Sports. I'll be back on Thursday previewing NFL Week 16. Have a great night. You're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network.